Thank you, Mark. All right. Up here again. Yeah. It's, it's always wonderful to be with God's people. Uh, we love it. We get around a lot. Jenny and I travel quite extensively to different churches. We can sometimes be in two churches on one Sunday, and one in the morning, one in the evening, different places. And sometimes we wake up in the morning wondering, where are we? And uh, got to check our GPS. Reminds me just to check the time. We're used to meeting at odd times. Um, in Durbanville, which we were part of, there's some Durban. Who's from Durbanville here? Put your hands up. Amen. Come on, please. Yeah, a couple of guys. Yeah. Um, we led the Durbanville congregation for about 10, 11 years, and then we handed it over about two years ago so we could be more available to get around. And, um, oops. Yeah, what was I going to Durbanville? I was going to say something about Durbanville. I'm blank already. That's why I married. We married 41 years tomorrow, and uh, it is uh, a wonderful thing. And yeah, we do, we know we do come from um, the KwaZulu-Natal background, um, and the church we were part of, there's folk here who were with us in the church up in Durban, for, and Jenny helped plant that church in 1979, I got saved in it in 1980, so this is my 43rd year of walking with the Lord, and uh, I was in the military at the time, I spent four years in the military, in the Air Force, I qualified as a helicopter mechanic back in the day, and uh, when I first, but for the first three years in the military, I wasn't saved, and the, it was compulsory to go to church on a Sunday. You had to go. So I didn't know what I was. So I had to phone home. I'm, I said, Mother, you know, what am I? I said, you're an Anglican. So I said, okay. Um, <laughs> but I quickly changed to the Methodists because they had biscuits. You guys got your biscuits here are very amazing. Um, the Methodists had biscuits and girls. So with a pure heart, I changed church flow. Um, but then I got saved later, okay, and I, God cleaned me up and uh, got amazingly saved, actually. The day after I got saved, I tried to get drunk, got sick instead, and so I haven't drunk since then. And uh, God just did amazing work in changing our lives. And after one year uh, of being saved, I sold everything I had, came out of the Air Force and went to Bible College for a year in Durban Christian Center. And so I've seen a lot of church over the years, and we came out of a very good church. Uh, we've got some good friends at the back there. We've known, them, known their children. Our children have grown up together. Um, Gail sitting over here, I was just telling her, we haven't seen for 25, 30 years, we haven't seen each other, and uh, our middle son is a game ranger now, he uh, once came home to Jenny and he said he wants to marry their daughter, Ruth, so Jenny said, well, why do you want to marry Ruth, huh? he was four years old, yeah, so <laughs> he's a dreamer, uh, and he said, well, she's got chickens, so, <laughs> see, I come from a very dodgy past, um, hmm? Oh, yes, I was talking about the times. We're meeting at a strange time now. 11 o'clock is not always a, a convenient time. But during COVID, Durbanville had to split up into six different groups of 50, the adults. We had 300 adults. And we borrowed another church building, the AFM, who were so good to us, Archias. They really said, come, they come, come use our building. We're both building the kingdom of God. Please use it. And we used to meet on Saturdays at 12 o'clock and 2 o'clock. And then Sundays at 12 o'clock and 2 o'clock. And the next Saturday, we formed a cycle of six meetings, 12 o'clock and 2 o'clock. Who goes to church 12 o'clock and 2 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon? But the guys were there. They were faithful. They pushed through. We grew, actually, as a church. We exploded as a church during COVID because we wanted to keep going as best we could and grow. And we, and we realized the value of church. You know, this is a Sunday meeting. 
It's not the meeting. The meeting actually is Monday to Sunday. That's church. You don't go to church. You are the church. This is, this is a good meeting because the Bible does speak about the church. Met in Solomon's colonnade. Didn't, they met in homes, but they also met in, in the bigger, larger places. And uh, they got together. It says, when you come together, there's a lot of reference of when you come together in, in larger groups, the gifts can flow, the gifts can minister. Um, and sometimes there were disciplines that took place, all sorts of things when you come together. So this is a com coming together of the, of the saints. And, um, and for those who have got common values, I mean, we know that different church movements and flows, and, and we've got to walk with those who we agree with. And, you know, the Bible says, can two walk together unless they're in agreement? So it's important for us to really massage in the values of what we see in the Scripture. And coming from a production background, I, was, I had a business for seven years back in the day, but mostly I spent my working life in, the, in manufacturing, and that's what, how I came to Cape Town. I was working for Total, the French petroleum guys, they sent me down there. You know, in business, if you don't do business well, you get fired. And the guys want results. We had to send results to France every month of how we're doing performance production statistics, and that's the business world. And uh, in the church, we're not the business. We're a family. We're a living organism, and we are something that breathes and has life to it. But at the end of the day, we've got to stand before God. And the Bible says we've got to all give an account for our lives. You've got to stand there before God one day and give an account for your life. This is a very real event that's going to take place. And there will be two judgments. One is, well, are you born again or not? And there's only one type of Christian that we, know, that we see in Scripture, those who are born again, just Knowing about Jesus is not enough because the Bible says even the devil believes there's a God and he shudders at the thought. So just being a cultural Christian, which is our problem in South Africa, that used to be about 80%, which is a very similar statistic to America, about 80% of people in South Africa say we're Christian. But they mean cultural Christians. They, got, they just believe in God. They're I'm sort of agnostic. You know, believe that if there is a God, if he exists, I'm good enough to, to go to heaven. That's their sort of condition they would describe themselves to be in. Um, where the Bible says it's only born-again Christians, those who've given their life to Jesus, those who've come in and surrendered 100%. When I got saved in 1980, I didn't need God. I wasn't desperate. I wasn't in a bad place. Like, where is this guy? Help this. I was just suddenly, I was taken to a meeting like this by a friend, because he was after a girl in the church. Amazing how God uses things to get you to fit into his plans. And I came to a church like this, and I thought, oh, these guys are weird, you know. I've, I've never seen anything like this. You know, happening our hands and People praying in tongues. I, I've never heard of this before. I didn't know what an elder was, a deacon was, and tithing. I didn't know anything about that. Um, all strange to me. And, one, and then about the third meeting I went along to, I was drawn to this, these guys because there was life here. There was, there's something about them that I couldn't describe and, and, and grab hold of. And then suddenly I realized, oh, I don't know God. And in, in front of everybody, and during the worship time, I just got on my knees and said, Lord, here I am. Come into my life. I didn't know what that meant. And I realized I'd been born again. And so it's, it's important that we live flat out for God because one day there will be the two judgments. One is for, are you born again or not? That's, that's hopefully everyone in this room uh, is born again. If you're not, we really want to give you opportunity to give your heart to Jesus. It's so important. Um, working in Durbanville, I'm an Engelsman, so Scottish actually background. My grandfather's a Scottish and grandparents. And, um, and leading Durbanville was very Afrikaans. Nesua, sorry, I'm trying to get that right. Um, Nesua, yeah. Desiree's Afrikaans. And so I'd often say, you know, you, you, in meetings like this, you say, who wants to give your life to Jesus? Who wants to become born again and know God? And the guys are like, look at you, but I'm born a Christian, you know? What's your problem? And then you realize, the Afrikaans guy said to me, no, you must say, who wants to come back to Jesus, make a commitment? 
Um, and the guys, yeah, I can do that. And then often they, they get born again at that point. So um, it's, it's all these things. And then the second judgment will be for what the, the Bible says we're going to be judged for the things we did in this life, things in the body. And this is gonna, it, you can't just get your ticket to heaven. I'm born again. Okay, let's just, what's the least I can give God? I can just come to church. Okay, tick that box. Yeah, I'm, I'll really go berserk now and I'll go to a home group and a, a cell group on a Wednesday. You know, I'm really radical now. I'm on fire for God, you know. Whereas doesn't, God wants our hearts. He really wants our hearts. He wants to know that we belong to Him. And from that place, then everything else can develop. Everything else can overflow from that. But if I would encourage every, every one of you to be on fire for Jesus, that He has your heart, that no matter what, um, and I feel sometimes maybe God wants to restore trust because I think people have been hurt by church and they've been hurt by leaders and all these things. But at the end of the day, you've got to push your way through all that. I've, I've been hurt by leaders. I've been hurt by church. Um, I've got every reason to be angry and, and but upset. But I said, Lord, I love the people and I respect and I honor the fact that you've given us leaders and shepherds over us. And I'll always honor that. And that is your plan. Church is God's plan. It's not man's idea of, of how things should be. It's God's idea of the church. And so that I'd, I want to be someone who's on fire for him right the way to the end. And I, I believe I can say that I have. God's had my heart since the beginning. When I got saved, I said, Lord, here I come. Everything belongs to you. And um, there's that well-known guy who started the Salvation Army, General William Booth. Like, William Booth, when they interviewed him at the end of his life, old man, and they said, William Booth, how come your life counted so much for God? He said, because God has got all of William Booth. God has got all of William Booth. And, I, you know, has God got all of you? Not according to your standard, according to the Word. Because we often, we say, yeah, God's got all of me. But at the end of the day, it's not really our passion. It's not really our hearts. We're just doing the right things uh, to get through this life. And, and when we get to eternity, and we'll go, we're hoping we'll get uh, well rewarded. And because Jesus encouraged us to, to lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven. And as you get older, you want to dial back, you know, let the young guys take over now. But that's not God's plan. He needs the old and the young working together, shoulder to shoulder, flat out, hearts for him, building his kingdom. So the, the question this morning I want to just bring before you is, are you on the road marked out for you? Does, have you guys got the scriptures that I sent through? Um, Hebrews 12, verse 1, if you can put that up. Very good. Um, I use the old NIV, the new ones are a wee bit dodgy. Uh, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's a race marked out for you. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning a shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What's that? Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You can just put the first part back up again. Um, so, we, so we've got to be those who are not choked by the cares and the worries in this world, that we run the race marked out for us. So do you believe, can you visualize right now that God has got a road marked out for you? And all our roads could come together to form, because we won at the end of the day. We can't live our lives individually. That we are, but if you're not in, on your road, it's going to affect all the rest of us. And my life, if I'm not on the right road, it's going to affect you. Because all our lives are interconnected, whether we like it or not. You cannot separate us out. So, and 
we should be part of a body of Christ. Because if you're not there, you're, you're in a very unsafe, very dangerous place. There are no lone rangers in, this, in, in the Bible. There's no guys, just, no, it's just me and Jesus. They even said that in 1 Corinthians, some follow, some follow Paul, some follow Apollos, some follow Christ. It sounds so noble, and I just follow Jesus. But it's actually an error, and it's not the correct. There is truth in that. We all follow Jesus. We all give our hearts first to him. Paul said they gave their hearts first to the Lord and then to us, which is the right order. So our hearts all should belong to him. But there's God, in 1 John 4, 20, it talks about, you know, so you say you love God who you can't see, but, but, how can, but you don't love man who you can see. So a lot of guys want just the vertical relationship. I also want my relationship with God. I trust God, and, and yes, you know, just me and Jesus. But man, no, they're, they're too weak. They make mistakes. But guess what? Jesus trusts his leaders. Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom of, of God to Peter, who's going to mess up, who made mess, mistakes. And even 17 years later, Paul had to call him out for being a racist uh, when he pulled away from the, Jew, the Gentiles and hung out with the Jews. Um, he had a publicly, for all eternity, it's written down that Paul messed up. And yet Jesus trusted and says, build my kingdom. And he's today, thousands of years later, at least 2,000 years later, here we are sitting, still that same mandate and that same being passed on to us of build my kingdom, build my church, because this is the only thing. God's only got one plan, Ephesians 3, the church, through the church, he'd make himself known. And so if you live in an individualistic life now, I'd seriously challenge you to consider where you're at in your walk with God, because one day you're going to have to give a, 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 an answer for that. So about how many years ago? About a year and a half ago, uh, I went, we got churches in the Netherlands, and um, they just, there's three now, but um, I think then was only the one in Aldovata, uh, 50 kilometers south of Amsterdam. And uh, the, the guy who's leading the church, I was staying with him, he said, hey, why don't you borrow my car and go and see your son? My son lives in Amsterdam for seven years now. So I said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm not really that, I've driven left-hand drive cars, but I'm not that familiar with driving on the other side of the road. And I haven't got Jenny with me, and you know, normally she'd hold the GPS and, and say, you know, left, right, and we, and the voice there, we called her Mildred. She normally, you know, she would help us. And so I said, okay, you know, I'm always in for a challenge. So uh, up for a challenge. So I get in his car, and there's nowhere to put my phone. So I haven't got in front of me the, the GPS. So I've downloaded maps, and I'm, a, I'm the opposite of a techno expert when it comes to computers and phones and things. And so I've got it down by the gear lever. And so off I go, press go, 50 kilometers now I've got to get to Amsterdam. And I'm you know, you're driving six-lane freeways, the wrong side of the road. Sorry for any Dutch people here. You guys drive on the wrong side of the road. And so I'm on, you know, and your body, I'm in my 60s. I'm so, so used to, be, you know, being on that side of the road in the slow lane. And now I'm on this side of the slow lane. And there's turn-offs to Utenhaag and Rotterdam and everything. And I did take the wrong turn-off at one stage. I was in the wrong lane. And I'm trying to follow that blue line. I'm trying to keep on that blue line because that's the road marked out for me. That's the way. If I keep on that blue line, I'm safe. And there's a gray line. And I'm terrified of getting onto the gray line. And so eventually I get to Amsterdam after much trauma. And I get to Amsterdam and I start, and it's, it's another city, you know. Even when I got back, the, the wife said to him, you, how can you let him go to Amsterdam on his own, you know? So I'm, I thought the same thing when I got back. Um, <laughs> I felt like the Pope. I wanted to kiss the ground. I, I made it. So I can't believe I'm home. But I get to Amsterdam, and it's, ca it's chaos there. There's just so many people on bicycles. And it's an old city, so it's narrow lanes, and it's one-way streets. And, you know, and there, I didn't know that there were, I only found out afterwards there were rules. And sometimes if you come to the stop, 
the, the, the cyclists have right away. Sometimes they don't. You've got, I don't know which is which, but so I think I killed about 100 cyclists in Amsterdam. I think the police are still looking for me now. They're tracking, they're looking for, I was driving down a road and my mirror hit another mirror and I've, you know, I, I don't, I'm a safe driver. I've been driving since 1977. I never, never had an accident. I smacked this person's mirror flat. Um, <laughs> I hope they haven't got a camera. Um, and I was traumatized, I've got to be honest, and, and trying to find my way. And I, you know, on, the, on the blue line, I'm off, I'm a gray line, I'm trying to watch, I'm trying to not kill any more cyclists. There are really too many notches on the side of the door. And eventually, I, 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 I get into this roadworks and I say, that's enough. Um, I pull over, I say, oh, I don't care, this phone call costs me my whole house. I'm making it right now to my son. James, come and find me. I'm here somewhere <laughs> in Amsterdam. Fortunately, I wasn't too far. He found me. But that blue line, I try to keep on that blue line because that was the safe place. That was the right way. And if I got onto the gray line, it was trouble. Mildred even stopped talking to me sometimes, you know. <laughs> uh, that, that was, um, it was traumatizing. So, um, and I feel like the Lord's given us that, that blue line to travel in this life. And sometimes we will go on the gray line. I mean, we, who doesn't make mistakes in life, you know? We all make mistakes. Especially if you're in leadership, you have to make decisions, you have to make calls, and it's impossible not to always make the perfect call. You're going to make mistakes. We know as leaders, the guys criticize us, guys have got things to say, and if I was, I would do it this way, but you know, somehow God hasn't raised them up to lead. And so you get all these things about getting off the blue line and getting onto the gray line. And, and through this journey in this life, God does always, He speaks to us in that voice, come back, come back, here's the blue line. Get back on it. There's a, there's a road marked out for you. And it's, if you some, but if you, you can actually start you know, turning down the volume and saying, I don't want to hear anymore. I'm, I'm actually going to stay over here. But we've got to almost go through this life with the joy set before us. If we just preach fear of God all the time and, and come die, come die, and eventually people say, why am I dying? All I'm doing is dying, which is very true. It's, a good, it's an absolute biblical truth. But for the joy set before him, we just read that Jesus endured the cross. There's a joy in us that, that God's placed within us, that we've got to stay in that place of joy. And God, Lord, help us as we go through the, some of the tough times. There will be tough times in this life. Jesus warned us in John, he says, in this life, you will have trouble. And we've got to be those who stay on the blue line, even through trouble. I, I was tested during COVID, the, the second wave beta. Um, you know, I got, I got very sick. I, I don't know what happened there, but... You know, Jenny had to eventually, uh, I went to hospital and they kicked me out after a few hours, you know, there's nothing wrong with you, but then five days later, it was going, I was going really south, and my daughter-in-law's mother is a radiologist in this particular hospital in Cape Town, and, and she said to Jenny, you know, just bring him, I've, I've spoken to the professor, he'll, ta he'll take him, and the professor later said, you know, I keep one bed open for someone who's dying, so Jenny puts me in the office chair and wheels me down the passage into the car, gets me to the hospital, sort of, uh, through the door, because they wouldn't let anyone in, she said they were fighting to get in, they were punching to get into the hospital, and it was, a, it was a very difficult time. I can't remember most of it. I was, I was, my SATs were 60%, my double pneumonia. And they said, you know, you sort of, <laughs> and then uh, they eventually put me in the ICU. They formed an ICU for COVID patients. And they said, welcome to the COVID ward. You're either going home to be with Jesus or you might go into your family. So, okay, cool. <laughs> you, must, you must have done well in nursing school and uh, in patient encouragement lessons. Um, but anyhow, I'm strong in the faith and uh, I love the Lord, so... They put me in a bed there, and I'm between two women. I thought, even my crazy state, I realized this doesn't feel right. But they were both in comas, um, and 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 uh, yeah, they both died. 
um, young ladies. And you just realize that at that point, I said, Lord, I'm, is this it now? They just told me I'm going meet to meet you, and uh, it's, it's overs, you know. So let me, re- let me check my heart. I had all pipes and everything, and I, and, uh, I said, Lord, am I, am I shine your light here, Lord? Am I ready to come home and see you face to face? Is there anything I need to sort out this side of eternity? Is there anything, Lord? Speak to me. I'm here. And um, I, felt the, I felt the peace of God come on me. And just like, it's okay, because I keep short accounts with God. I run to God very quickly. If I make mistakes, if I, 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 I just love it. I, I spend, I, I walk and talk with the Lord now 43 years. I'm just there. It's just, I'm his son. I'm his boy. And um, so any, anything, I like to keep it short. You know, don't address something, drag out unforgiveness and hurt and brokenness. And I've got all the stories to tell. We lost the whole house through business. Um, Glenn knew me in those days of business days. And, and uh, we lost our whole house. We had to come, when we came to Cape Town, all gone through family members and their what they, what they did in business and affected us and, and all that story. We've got all the stories to tell. We've got cuts and bruises from life. But Lord, you, we just want to serve you, God. I want to stand that blue line in my heart. And, the, and what you've called me to, Lord, I want to be there. I want to, and I, want, I don't want to get hurt. I want to be bulletproof. I don't want to have unforgiveness. I don't want to get offended over something. And, and, and I want to live free. Because Jesus, you came to die that I can be free. And those who are free are free indeed. And I want to be free. I want to be in a place, a permanent, living, and a joyful place. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Do you, not, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. And the question that I ask myself and I ask you, are we running in such a way as to get the prize? How do you know if you are? Are you setting the race's rules or somebody else setting those rules? Because there are rules, funny enough. And um, I'm going to jump a scripture if you can go to 2 Timothy 2 verse 5. Can you find it easily enough? Well done. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. And, you know, Christianity is and serving God and being in a relationship is a heart-based thing. We know that. It's very relational. But God has got certain things that he wants us to do. Matthew 28, he says, go into all the world, preach the good news, the gospel, make disciples, make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all I've commanded you. You know, we do stewardship teachings here, finance teachings. And for me, I had a revelation when when I led Durnville. I said, guys, we're not teaching on finance to get money out of you. We actually the motivation and the heart of teaching about money. So when you stand for God one day, you can say you've been faith, faithful with what He entrusted to you, to you. That's the pure motivation. An overflow of that is, means that there's funding to take the gospel forward, and to and to because we all know there's money required for that type of thing. But we're not into this to, to drain money out of people. And that money, you touch money, you touch their children. Those are the two things you know that are people are very tender about. So this 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 is a heart motivation. Some of you may have lost trust in leaders. You may, have, you may be burnt and say, well, I, I'm just, you know, how can I just get through this life and please God with a, with a minimum effect, with a minimal effort? Um, and then some people get attracted to some of the strange teachings that are out there, the, the extreme uh, grace teachings that we find and the, and the kingdom now teachings because they're trying to find scripture that will back up and, and, mo- and a type of teaching that will serve their purposes and back up their way of life and the decisions that they've made in this life. Let me find someone who'll teach. And we know the scripture in the, in the end times that people want teaching that'll tickle the ears. It's the Christians we're talking about. Christians 
And uh, the Lord's heart, I'm sure, was burning to see his people rise up and follow truth. The, his word is truth, folks. And we've got to stand on his word. We've got to keep to it. There's been so many new teachings that have hit, come to the body of Christ and have taken people. We've seen the bad fruit to it. I mentioned earlier about being in production and being in business. And, and, and church, I'm t- I, I don't know about you, but I want to see fruit. I want to see results. I don't want to have church meeting after church meeting. And I don't want to fool myself that we're doing church right and, and we're doing it wrong. Because, you know, in 1 Corinthians 3, it says, if you build, don't build in to the pattern that God wants, all your work's going to get burnt up. All your work's going to get burnt up. I sat with guys in ministry, and I said, and I can't make a judgment. I'm not God. But I said to some of the guys who well-established in ministry and doing their, their thing and whatever, I said, I'm, I'm, if I was you, I'd be worried that all my work's going to get burnt up. Recently, we had some guys from another country who poured their life out, and they suddenly realized, when we just spoke about truth and spoke about the Word of God and what God really desires, they were actually suddenly worried that possibly what they've built is going to get all burnt up. And it says that if I give my, in 1 Corinthians 13, if I give my heart to the, my body to, you know, to the flames, if I die and all, all these noble things, but I have not got love, I've, I've got nothing. And God's love language is obedience. You know, teach them to obey all I've commanded. And all my suggestions, you know, all good thoughts and good theories, but what I've commanded, God's given us commands, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your body, everything. That's an all-complete package. Do you love God to that extent? Challenge yourself. This side of eternity, trust me, folks, I'm living one day at a time right now. I had a cancer operation last year, body parts removed, aggressive cancer, all that type of thing. But I've always, Jenny, I'll tell you, I've always lived like this with eternity in mind. I'm, I'm one, every day is like a new day. His mercy is new every morning. I've done many funerals for young folks, teenagers, people who thought they'd live and get married and have children and become grandparents. never happened in this life. But maybe God's got a different blue line for them, a different journey, a different path, race marked out for them. I don't know. I'm not their judge. But, uh, but I, I, love, I, love, I love provoking the body of Christ to consider their life, weigh it up properly against the Word of God, not selective scriptures. Because we can find scriptures to fit into what we're doing. You can find anything you want in this Bible. There's cults that are formed around the scripture, and they'll use scripture. And some are well-trained, well-versed. But be realistic. The Bible says, test yourself to see if you're in the faith. And I love to test myself. Not, I'm not permanently thinking I'm in and out of salvation every day. I'm, I'm perfectly secure in God. And you should be perfectly secure in God that you believe his son, his daughter. But don't bluff yourself. That's, and one day you're going to get into eternity and find out that you got it all wrong, that you lived your life all wrong, that you didn't actually position your heart properly to Christ. And so this preach may come, come to be shown to you one day. I don't know. Or, and others like it. We're, we're guys, we, we all, all, that, all that I'm trying to do is just point you to Jesus. That's all I'm trying to do. At the same time, point myself. I check my own life, weigh it up against the Word of God. Ask other people to speak into my life because I've got blind spots. I can't see where I'm missing it. I wish I could. I wish I was the perfect Christian. I'm not. And I, I need other people to say, hey, Russell, you're missing it over here. The way you, what you're doing there. Accountability. It's, a, it's such a beautiful thing. There's so many good things that the devil has twisted, and pe- Christians have got hurt through accountability, uh, through shepherding, pastoring, all these things. People have got hurt, and I've met Christians, and it's hard for me at this stage of my life, and to see guys who walk with the Lord suddenly tearing away and pulling away and saying, no more. I'm just going to find the least possible I can give God just to sneak into heaven, and, and it'll all be okay. What if it's not okay? What about the parable of the talents? Always very sobering, that 
talent. That's scripture, isn't it? Um, that the guy who just buried his talents was called a wicked and lazy servant. He cast away. He was considered a servant, not a stranger. He was considered a servant. And cast this one away to be with other people. So, uh, so I say we, we live in this, in this life through a tension and a, and a, of, of paradox of truth, where there's two equal truths that seem to be over pulling away, but they can work together beautifully. Compete by the rules. Um, and up Philippians 3, verse 14. Can you put that up, please? Philippians 3, 14. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's be those who press on for the prize. God does reward those who diligently seek Him. He is a rewarder. And there's going to be different, there's going to be different um, rewards that will be given out in eternity. Don't be satisfied. And I believe it's demonic almost when, when I think the devil comes to a lot of Christians and tells them just to calm down, tone down, take it easy. It's going to be all right. And, um, and the devil does use scripture. We know that. And, um, and so a lot of Christians, I think, just dialed back. And we've got so much of the body of Christ who just want church lights, I call it. In Durbanville, we just moved into a new building uh, after nearly 20 years. And we've, someone blessed us with the finance for that. And uh, we've got a building with a, a whole long, amazing journey and story. But we've had over 500 visitors in the last two, three months. So a lot of people coming through. And the minute you just speak about a Christ crucified and lives that are full out, flat out for Jesus, a lot of people, ah, no, it's a bit too heavy. And you're going to find something light duty, you know. Just sing. I also want to hear some nice, I want to sing and worship God, the songs, nice word come across. Hey, God wants to bless you, prosper you. I've been through the prosperity movement and all these type of teachings and high faith movements. Seen it, we've seen so much in our 43 years. Um, but man, there's going to be a judgment, you know. I can't believe Christians, we can be so blind sometimes and so unaware of living this life for him. That blue line that he wants us to be on. But Philippians 1, verse 1 to 6, says this. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Is that the last verse? So the Lord started a, a work in us. I know, 26th of October, 1980, God started a work in Russell. I gave my heart to Jesus. Um, I, a bit later, uh, I was transferred to Pretoria. My squadron was transferred there. Went to this other church called Hatfield, and I got baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I was speaking in tongues which I never heard of. And uh, it was an incredible experience. And I, God has just kept me in His hand all the way. But I've got to position myself to stay on that blue line. I say, Lord, where's that blue line? Let me, let me hear your voice. Where, where are you taking me? Where are you leading me? And there's many times that I could have gone onto the gray line. I probably would have got to the end, but the journey would have been much longer, much more arduous, much more difficult. And also, not this, the most important part, not as fruitful. And that's the thing. I, I mean, I think my old friends are a bit stunned by where, I, where I'm at at this stage. They knew me as a business guy back in the day, a deacon in the last church. I think they, they probably don't recognize or relate to this Russell that they see today. 
because God's just taken me on a journey, and I've just all I've done is position myself in that blue line. Say, Lord, I want to stay in you, where you are. I want to be where you are, God. I don't want to bluff myself that the gray line's okay. It's going to be good enough. I want to be on that blue line to make sure that I get to the goal and the prize. Even now, I've got to stay, constantly stay in that place. Lord, here am I. What do you want me to do? I want to go back to business? I'll go back if that's your plan. Um, it's been 20 something years in, in, in this type of ministry now. But to be in that place, that sweet place in Him. But the most important thing is to listen to that voice. Lord, what are you saying now? And to be in, in that place, which is a safe place. And a, and a fruitful place in his hand. Let's stand. So we're going to go into a time of worship. And, and it's, always good to, it's always good to respond to God, you know. You, you'll, we'll all be judged for everything we hear, all these things. He's a good God, hey? He's a good God. We can run to him. We can be in a place of joy. And if you need healing this morning in your heart, physical bodies we can pray for as well. When I lay in, in the bed in the hospital between those two women who were dying, and I, I first I thought, must I pray for their healing? Or, and then I felt the Lord say, pray for their souls. I don't know where they were in Him, whether they, he knew, they knew Him, um, what they, wh where they stood with Him. But I prayed in that state that they would find God, because I've known so many stories of people who have found God in that place. And that was my first priority, is to pray that they would know the King of Kings, the living God, they come to know him. It was interesting. They'd try and they would try and call this one lady out of a coma. They'd come up to her and call her name, call her name, call her name to try and bring her out. And she didn't respond. And I've often had that picture stuck in my mind of, of God calling us in that coma, comatose state of, of of our walk with the Lord of that deception that we can easily slide. I've been deceived sometimes. It's easy, funny how easy you can slide into it. And God's calling you. And eventually you don't listen, you don't hear, and eventually you can't hear. And I feel God is speaking and calling your name this morning. He's calling your name. Some of you must be tracking beautifully, wonderfully. Well done. Well done. God knows. You know. But some mean to get back on that blue line with your heart and your body will follow but first your heart's got to get on that blue line Lord I belong to you you bought me at such a great price the, the blood of your son Jesus he purchased me I belong to him and I feel God's calling us closer this morning we're all in different places and different of our walk and our relationship with him I feel God's calling your name this morning calling your name. Are you listening? Are your ears open to hear what the Spirit says? Oh, the things of this world, the cares of this world can choke the life of God out of us if we're not careful. Don't let the cares of this world and the things that happen in this world choke the life of God out of you. We were recently at a funeral for a 91-year-old, an uh, 88-year-old uh, woman, and her husband, a 91, was there. And he got up and just praised God for their 70-plus years of marriage. And he started evangelizing everybody at the, at the memorial for his wife. He's passionate for Jesus, this guy. Uncle Stan, we call him. That's his name. Uncle Stan was 
just telling people about Jesus. You know, he wasn't focused on his grief, his bride of all those years ago. He just wanted others to know this God that he knows all these years, also from Pantheon. Father, let's pray for us this morning. I lift us all up before you. Your throne room right now, that you will come and speak to us. We have ears to hear, spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. If you need to turn around and change your, your heart's attitude, then do so. Now's the day of salvation. Today. For all of us. It's a journey that we're on. And God is calling His people close to Him. There's work to be done. There's life to be touched. If you live in Asa Fontaine, there's a reason why you're here. Not to come and live in a nice spot and have the beach and the sea. Heaven forbid if that's your motivation for being here. But that you could see it as a bigger picture than that. Lord, can you use me in this place? Touch one life to reflect you beautifully. Give me a heart for the broken, the dying, the lost in this place. Can I be effective in your hands, Lord? Pick me, God. Pick me. Pick me. I'm available. Use me, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Let's respond during worship now as we just go into a time of just worshiping. We're not just singing songs.